You know, most problems in healthcare are fixed already. Primary care is already cured on the fringes. Reversing burnout, physician shortages, bad business models, forced buyouts, factory medicine, high deductible insurance that squeezes the docs and is totally inaccessible to most of the employees. The big squeeze is always on for docs. It's the acceleration of cost and the deceleration of reimbursements. I want you to meet those on this show that are making a difference with host Ron Barshop, CEO of Beacon Clinics. That's me. Was King Arthur actually real? Well, we don't know. He could be, probably not. You know, I see myths that become almost facts in healthcare every day. They're deeply rooted part of our narrative. And on every main platform, there's someone who has these tired themes. Some books try to hit it out of the park, deeping, diving deep into these themes and uh, really spelling it all out. Here's my favorite myths. And let's blow some of these away with a giant shotgun. So number one, let's just bump up reimbursement rates. That should solve everything. Number two, we need to organize. Let's make this change or that change. Let's, let's march, let's go. And number three, we need a government solution to this hot mess. We need two solutions. We got as are everywhere and they pop up like whack-a-moles. Uh, it's always coming from the smartest guys in the room who really thought deeply about this issue. Okay, so let's just take a look and bury these three with very simple facts with a stake in the heart. The reimbursement rates are heading south because we can't afford the cost at a trillion a year in deficits. It's just that simple. How's it done anyway? There's a committee called the RVU. They haven't been considered even though they meet since 2009 by the CMS because they're so overwhelmed. Um, it's irrelevance is astounding. People keep talking about it as if they have power. They haven't li literally been listened to for close to a decade. <laughs> this year marks 10 years. So reimbursement rates ain't gonna happen. Let's organize something, you know, fill in the blank. The reasons why are endless. Lobby for this, pressure that. Uh, the sentence that starts with we need to or we got it or somebody should, just watch out. I usually just kind of turn myself off. I'll quit reading, I'll quit listening. They're almost all revolutions with no bullets. They're movements with no movement. They're dream dust, they're cotton candy with no vitamins. First, there's too much to do. Every one of these are way too complicated. They're way too long and you're fighting a lobby that has more spending power than the next four lobbies behind it combined. So throw in Wall Street, Silicon Valley, defense, big oil, none of their lobbies come close to health, big healthcare alone. So just forget about it, you're fighting City Hall, ain't gonna happen. It's really amazing that Trump last week announced a transparency initiative with the hospitals that echoes what's going on in California because one guy can push that hard against a giant lobby out of nowhere and they had no idea it was coming. Um, but there's not much more he can do around that issue and around these big issues uh, than what he is doing. So you may not like our president, but you gotta love that he's taking initiatives. Uh, so again, these movements that we need to is we got as they, they spawn, they're the spawn of a zombie mom and a vampire dad and let's just have a burial ceremony and put them away right now. 
They're no from, different from let's go break something, let's burn something down. We knew we need to myths are everywhere you look, and they're exhausting mostly, and they're they're pretty tired. There's lots of words written. They're just as I said, too complex, like this monologue is getting. So Texans have a phrase for that. They're all hat and no cattle. My way is to highlight the innovators who are already fixing problems and have fixed problems. Let's celebrate them. Let's replace the broken with the actual fixes. The market organizes very effectively and more efficiently than most earnest policy walks. Blowhard charismatics can't hold a candle next to the doers, the risk takers, the troublemakers. They're out there. We're finding them on this show and they're on the fringes. And today we have a great one. The third one is government's gonna have to fix this, okay? We've kind of tried that. We got 160 new healthcare committees. We have more regulatory paperwork in three years that developed than the entire revenue code took and they had eight decades to build that monster. The two quick facts is the government includes 15,000 registered lobbyists. How many total are in the healthcare? 2,733. What did they spend last year? $556 million. Government got us into this. Their lobby got us into it. No one's going to compete with big health care to get us out. Not named Gates or Bezos or Buffett. Let's go get them and fix it. Let's just give up on all these ideas because none of those are working either. Um, and this real cool initiative by Berkshire, JP Morgan, and Amazon, which has grown to dozens of companies behind this. Um, well, they're taking care of their own 1.2 million people first. America can watch. And that should trickle out, but it's going to take a while. So government's not working out for us. I don't want some, the same crazy man who kicked me in the groin to also be my EMS technician. Our answer is they're here. All right. So today's guest, meet Crystal Eisenhower. She's the founder and CEO of Aperionomics. Imagine one test for all pathogens. Pathogens are bacteria, they're viruses, they're parasites. There's literally tens of thousands that she can test for. It's all here. It's here. Meet the real deal. Crystal, welcome to the show. Good morning. I'm happy to be here. Well, um, no, nobody can help but to compare what you're suggesting you have to what Theranos suggested they have, but you actually, yours actually works and it's real, isn't it? Well, and there really is no comparison with, with what, what others have done. Yeah, set up the problem you're solving and why Perionomics uh, got started. So Perionomics got started uh, with this idea that we could, we could help people find answers that have never been able to be found before. The reality is our existing diagnostic tests look for one thing at a time or five things at a time. Um, or if you um, are at a sophisticated medical center, sometimes they have these, these very large panels of things you can look for, you know, 20, 50, 100 things at a time. The, rea the reality is, is that there are tens of thousands of microorganisms, and theoretically, any of them can cause disease in a human body under the right circumstances. So what our approach to this, to this was to take a sample. Um, we work with, with any sample, blood, tissue, urine, fecal. We work in outside of the clinical realm. We do work with research universities, pharmaceutical companies, um, veterinary agriculture, any type of a sample where you want to know what microorganisms are in the sample, 
or what microorganisms are not in the sample, our system works. We take those samples and we remove all of the genetic information, all of the DNA from the sample, and we use a process called DNA sequencing to create a genetic blueprint of everything in the sample. That can be a very large file of data, up to a terabyte of data for one, for one sample. That very large data file obviously has a lot of complex information. It can be uh, tens of millions of fragments of DNA. And so where our technology comes in is we've developed the software, the data analytics around to support analyzing this data. And so our, our data analytics sort through this information and make meaning of it. We then compare the information to a database that we've constructed. And this database contains the whole genetic structure for every known and sequenced bacteria, virus, parasite, <clears throat> excuse me, parasite and fungus. And we then generate a report that goes to a healthcare provider giving a list of all of the things we found in the sample, whether or not they're known to cause disease in humans, and how much of each, each of the microorganisms we found. And so instead of looking for one thing at a time, we're casting a broad net and not assuming we know what's making someone sick, but rather looking for the, the true cause of what's making someone sick. I can't imagine that this isn't going to disrupt the entire lab industry. I mean, you're talking about simplifying the treasure hunt and expanding a treasure hunt beyond what they even thought they were hunting for. I mean, I didn't even know you had fungals in your panel, but I mean, when you start saying, we're going to try to figure out what's wrong with this person and you're not using your test, I think it could actually be considered in the future malpractice as, as this widens and becomes really more uh, scaled out, don't you think? I, I do agree that this is, is poised to be very disruptive to the lab system, um, but to healthcare as a whole. One of the beauties of this technology is that we don't have to know what we're looking for. Um, you know, right now you, you go to your doctor, you have a sore throat, they say, oh, let's test you for strep throat. So they swab your throat and put it into a little cartridge in the office and it's negative. Well, now what? What's causing your sore throat? There are thousands of things that can cause a sore throat. So how does the healthcare provider know what to look for next? What typically happens and what tends to be the standard of care is the healthcare provider prescribes a broad spectrum antibiotic and says, if you're not better in a few days, give me a call. We need to do better than that. <clears throat> For most people, the, the broad spectrum antibiotic is good enough. And for most of us, we've all had broad spectrum antibiotics and we've, we've cleared the infection, we've healed and we've moved on. What's happened for a lot of people, though, is that that was seems to be a trigger point for a spiraling effect where they then become chronically ill and they are sick for sometimes decades with this seemingly never-ending infection that no one can quite pinpoint. You know, your, your answer brought up really two questions. Well, number one, let me ask them both before I forget them because that's how I roll. Number one, it seems to me that you can now, when you cast a broader net, catch things you weren't expecting to catch in the net. 
And number two, you know, I, I'm a big fan of the old Star Trek, the James Kirk Star Trek and Spock's Star Trek. In that Star Trek, Bones always had the right shot for exactly what was ailing. And it, it seems to me in the future, instead of broad brushing a sore throat with the antibiotic, because we're not 100% sure what it is, is it a virus, is it a fungus? We're really treating too much in the human body and we're creating a resistance to exactly what cures us. I would imagine that this precision medicine movement is going to be answering precisely what you're determining with your net that you're catching uh, because we're going to know precisely what needs to be treated instead of thinking we know what's to be treated. Exactly. And that's, that's really the big point. So with regard to your question about finding things that are unexpected, that happens every week. We've had numerous surprises, um, identifying things we never expected to find. Probably one of the most unexpected was a, a case of leprosy in Virginia. You don't expect to see that. <laughs> um, with regard to the precision medicine, that, that's exactly why we are taking this approach. If we know what is causing the, the, the issue, we can more effectively, um, as, a, as, as a healthcare system, we can more effectively treat what is, is causing that illness and potentially prevent some of these, these chronic conditions from consuming someone's life. One of the other things that we are starting to unravel and that we're working with a lot of researchers on are these connections between infection and uh, things, conditions in the human body that have long been thought to be quote unquote autoimmune. And what we're seeing is that many of these things that have been called autoimmune are actually undiagnosed infection. Um, and this is being seen by a lot of researchers. Um, there are studies looking at the connection between um, microorganisms and Alzheimer's, the connection in multiple sclerosis, the connection in irritable bowel syndrome, in you know all of these these complex idiopathic conditions. We've we've directly worked in with a condition called interstitial cystitis which is, is currently known to be an autoimmune condition of the bladder. And what we've identified in a, over 100 patients is evidence of infection in over 90% of these patients. And in, in cases where we've identified a, a, a root cause um, and where their doctor chose to treat based on our findings, we have patients that have completely resolved this previously thought to be autoimmune condition and are able to, to regain their life. Um, and it's, it's really a, it's a debilitating condition that affects millions of people in the U.S. And it's to the point where, you know, they're, they're, taking, they're taking high level pain, pain management strategies like Percocet and Oxycontin to control pain for what we believe is possibly a chronic urinary tract infection and not an autoimmune condition. Okay, you just blew about 99% of the people's minds by saying that. So, um, 
yes. get you on every podcast in America telling your story. Um, this this really is incredible. I I could spend right now somewhere between two grand and five grand and get a VIP level executive wellness checkup head to toe. The problem is they're not going to have your panel. They're going to do ninety nine percent of <laughs> what you know is let's check the boxes. They'll even do a full DNA test, but what they won't do is they're not going to look at these four. Uh, outsiders trying to get inside and figure out which of them is causing me problems. Um, so you, your broad net catches tens of thousands of these pathogens. How do you know with your software which one's causing me the problem? How do you match the diagnosis with the fungus, let's say, or the, uh, the virus? Right. So we are building artificial intelligence around our report to be able to help our healthcare providers figure figure that out on their own. For right now, we provide consultation services with every test so that the healthcare provider that we're reporting to has, so that we're able to help them understand the report to the best of our ability. Um, and what we do is, is there, there's, there's, there's a logic that goes through. So the first thing we do, because we're identifying everything, including the, the, the good actors, um, the, the good microbes that are in our body. Our bodies are six pounds of microorganisms, and we need that. They protect us. They synthesize vitamins. They help us digest our food. They're doing, <clears throat> they're doing a lot of really great things for us. It's when things get out of balance or when something gets introduced into our bodies that doesn't belong in the human body that we have issues. So we, we, we help the healthcare provider walk through that logic. So the first thing is to look through the list and see, is there something in this list that does not belong in the human body? If there is, are the symptoms the patient's experiencing consistent with what we know about that microbe that does not belong in the human body? And those are, are, are very straightforward cases by and large where um, the healthcare provider then has some actionable information where they can, you know, determine a treatment plan and, and help that patient get better. The next layer is, is there something in the sample that while it might be a normal part of the human body doesn't belong in this kind of a sample. So example, E. coli, it's a normal part of our intestines and we want to see it in our intestines. But if we have a blood sample and we see E. coli in a blood sample, that is not normal. And that would be a clue that something might be clinically actionable there. Um, so, um, and then the third layer is, is this, you know, is ev everything's normal that we're seeing in this, in this list, but is there too much? So while E. coli might be normal in the intestines, we, the normal range that we see in our testing is between zero and 5%. So if we see a sample that has 20% E. coli, and there are symptoms consistent with E. coli infection, that gives the, the healthcare provider information that can be taken, that action can be taken on. So, so the biggest problem that I see for you is not credibility. You're working with some of the premier hospitals, some of the premier thought leaders already. You're, you're past that stage. The problem I see is you've got to get scale. And to get scale, that's going to bring the cost down. And when they bring the cost down, it really implies that you're in network. So I think that's the is that the next battle you're fighting is to get the insurers to recognize you with your own discrete code. 
Yes. So right now, um, we do insurance billing on a limited basis. There are four existing CPT codes that we can stack to bill insurance. And we have seen some private payers provide out-of-network coverage. So we are seeing some, some positive movements there. The next big step is to, is to get Medicare on board with what we're doing. And you know, what we're doing, this is, this is one of those rare cases where this, it, this can be a, a win for everyone. The patient who's been sick for sometimes decades can finally get an answer and win. The healthcare provider can help this, finally help this patient get better and help them, you know, stay out of their waiting room and they win. The insurance providers stand to um, save tremendous amounts of money by having, you know, a directed approach instead of um, the current the current system where you're looking for one thing at a time. Um, so the health insurance companies stand to to save tremendous amounts of money, so they win. And the beauty is, we didn't have to deny coverage. We didn't have to um, provide substandard coverage. We provided or substandard care. We provided the best possible um, healthcare that that we could. So that's really where uh, our focus is next. Our our goal over the next year is to get in front of as many groups and help educate them on this future wave of medicine that's coming. We're on the front edge of this wave and it's going to sweep through the healthcare system. And, you know, it, it is so long as we can sweep past the, the regulatory hurdles and the inertia that tends to, to exist in the healthcare system, this stands to to disrupt and to to really have a, a positive impact on the human condition. Um, I think you cannot do your tests on site. In other words, this still has to be sent out, right? Yes, um, yes, and no. So we most of our healthcare providers are private practice, and we send collection kits that they can inventory and, and collect samples from, from patients as needed and send back to us. In some cases, um, we, we work with a few groups that have the ability to do their own DNA sequencing. And in those cases, we can provide them with protocols to do the sequencing work that we need done and then send us the, the raw data files. And we do the analysis and then provide a report back. So it doesn't have the samples don't have to come to us right now. Um, but right now, most healthcare providers don't have access to DNA sequencing. DNA sequencing costs are going way, way down, though. It's something that can be done on site cheaper and cheaper every day. It's uh, yes, it's gonna be like a toaster in an office, and eventually, you're not gonna see uh, cost being a hurdle here. Yes, and we're right now the the biggest driver of our cost is the wet lab sequencing piece. That that's the majority of of what it costs us to to run one sample. But you're right, the the processes are going to to get cheaper. A lot of large healthcare centers already have these sequencers in house, and they're being used to do cancer screenings and meta, metabolic or or genetic screenings. So we're providing a new way to use this already already sunk cost in, in these 
these large medical centers. I want to get back to this autoimmune concept. I had a good friend and his wife suddenly couldn't get out of the bathtub and she was an outdoor sportsman, a former cheerleader, a gymnast, and she, her life changed overnight. Um, and the autoimmune disease was misdiagnosed by a homeopath who said, your liver is actually not functioning right. You've got an infection and we're just going to fix the liver to fight it better. Your, your liver's weak. And she leads a pretty much a normal life now. I mean, she can't get around uh, off-gassing, so that would be fresh paint or new carpets. Uh, but she, she has a, she literally bounced back from what she thought was multiple sclerosis. Um, to, to think that it's not multiple sclerosis, it's not uh, some other autoimmune disease that just scares the holy bejesus out of most people, that it's a simple infection that can be treated with a, a shot, you know, amoxicillin. That is pretty much a mind blower for anybody who has a friend who has these supposed autoimmune diseases. Um, that's pretty exciting stuff. I mean, you, you're talking life-changing stuff now. Yes, and we're just on the, the front edge, and by we, I mean um, medical research. Um, we're, the medical research is starting to connect the dots between these conditions, um, and so we want to be part of that solution because we have a tool that no one else has. There's, there's no other company in the world that's providing the service um, that we provide. And, you know, I remember having, <clears throat> excuse me, I remember having an argument with my immunology professor in college about autoimmunity. It just made no sense to me. Why would a perfectly healthy human body just turn on itself? It makes no sense. Something has to be triggering it. And so there's, there's tremendous room here. Um, it, 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 it's completely uncharted territory where we have the, uh, the potential to identify something that's, that's triggering this autoimmune condition. And, and then by definition, it's not autoimmune, it's, it's an infection because you have something in your body that's triggering a, a, an immune response where you don't, you don't want an immune response. That's interesting stuff. Okay, so what is your biggest challenge you've got ahead of you, Crystal? Our biggest challenge is the status quo. Our biggest challenge is, is presenting this idea and this technology to all of the stakeholders in the healthcare system, the private payers, the government payers, the medical centers, patient advocacy groups. And we've done a good job of educating a, a large number of patients on what we do, and they've been instrumental in taking us to their doctors. But now we need to get buy-in from the larger, the, the larger system. And I'm going to suggest a new tagline for your company, um, and I won't charge a dime. But just remember, people who made you a billionaire someday with these things. I think um, one test, ninety thousand pathogens, um, would be a really nice tagline for you guys. You, how many tens of thousands of pathogens can I expect you to find in your large net? So right now we screen every sample for 37,000 microorganisms, and that number increases several times a year as we update our databases to include new discoveries from, from the scientific world. Well, it's cheap to change a logo, and it's easy to change a tagline. So, um, so what is your message to everybody in a sentence, Crystal? If you had an airplane flying overhead at the largest gathering in history, what would, uh, in fact, Woodstock 50 is happening this year. 
I haven't seen the lineup, but I probably don't know most of those bands. What is your, what, what would you fly over Woodstock this year in a sentence to tell the world so that they're awake? I think the, the most directed thing is, you know, are you sick and don't know why? We, we may be able to find an answer for you. No, damn it, we're going to find an answer for you. Crystal's got it in her back pocket. <laughs> all right, so how best to, uh, well, first of all, before this question, how do we enhance our reading, our brains by reading more about um, the wave that's coming? What what authors do you like? What books do you like that really can get us directed in the uh, in our future that is here and coming fast? Oh, I'd love to tell you that I, I'm an avid reader, but I, I run a, a, an early stage testing company and, and there are no hours in my day to do anything but my job. Um, you know, most of the, the things that I read, it's the basic science literature. So I have RSS feeds that, that feed me anything new regarding infection and new genomes coming out. So a, a great first start and we have a great technology page that distills down what we're doing in, in the, I think, a somewhat easy, easy to follow um, narrative, including some um, references to to other groups that 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 inspire us with with ideas. It's aperiomics, a p e r i o m i c s dot com. All right. Well, is there another way that we they can reach out to you if they want, other than the website? The website is great. We're on social media, um, and you can always give us a call. 703-229-0406. Deeply appreciate it. Looking forward to uh, this catching fire as it will um, most certainly. And uh, we'll get you back on again in six or 12 months and see how you're coming along, okay? I'd love to come back. Thank you so much for the time today. Thank you for listening. You wanna shake things up? There's two things you can do for us. One, go to primarycarecures.com for show notes and links to our guests. And number two, help us spotlight what's working in primary care by listening on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and subscribing and leave us a review. It helps our megaphone more than you know. Until next episode.